song for a new day and a new episode of how did they get there i appreciate you listening thanks for tuning in today i want to talk about a guy who's been nominated for the emmy award seven times he's won once and nobody knows that about him he's somehow managed to stray that fact independent of his entire career and his career has been known more recently in film but he started off of course in television and the guy that i'm talking about is of course woody harrelson the great woody harrelson Now, one of the key factors in Woody Harrelson landing that role, even that audition, was a guy that had auditioned for that role. He was kind of friends with him, not really, and he tipped him off on the audition. And this was pre-internet, of course, and and you didn't have a, a website that you could go to where you could find a list of all auditions near you, locally, nationally, like Backstage.com. And so when you don't have access to those types of resources, your best bet is word of mouth. Someone tips you off or you read about an audition in the newspaper. We're assuming this scenario is tied to the fact that you don't have an agent yet. But look, agents and managers get fired all the time because a client doesn't feel like they're wanted. Uh, They think that an agent has so many different responsibilities for so many different clients, some of which aren't even in the same you know, aspect of the industry. But the truth is, and this may be construed as kind of a sad, sad truth or a sad fact. There are many of those in life. An agent, if he's not getting you work, or if she's not getting you work, it's because you as an actor are not good enough to get work. It's just the way it is. It should never be hard. The, the, the choices that come to an agent's mind when they think of you, a role that you're right for, that you can read for, or that you, know, you will get offered for likely on the spot, you know, when you think of that guy or that role, it should come instantly. It should not take a hesitation. It should not take a pause of retrieval from their mindset. Because... If you're really as good as you think you are, you should be booking jobs. You should be booking work. You shouldn't have to rely on an agent, even if you have one, to do that. Because an agent can only do so much. An agent is not Moses. And Hollywood is not some giant lake or ocean that it can just turn red. It takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of collaboration. You have to rely a lot on other people. And sometimes those other people will come through for you. Other times they won't. But that's you can say that about any business, can't you? It's just a little bit more, you know, you tie that factor in with publicity and the fact that the business, every time someone makes a move, it's on Entertainment Weekly or it's on the, the next page of Variety the next day. It's a tough thing. But if you're into the business, you got to be okay with that. And that has to be something that you're, um, that environment has to be an environment in which you can really thrive and succeed because there are, it is surrounded by sharks. And if you don't, have a niche if you don't have a client that's doing well or if you're not you know if you're an actor and you're not booking jobs you really have to consider how long am i going to make this my life you know it should come naturally to you or you're not right for it all right so let's get back to woody we took kind of a, a detour but I'll, let's let's bring us back so woody was born in midland texas now for those of you that don't know about midland in friday night lights which uh, was directed by peter berg and that was really his breakthrough film uh, that starred Billy Bob Thornton and guys like Derek Luke. Derek Luke went to um, he went to a hospital in Midland, Texas, to get uh, to to see why his leg wasn't working. Like the doctor gave him like a CT or something to figure out why why uh, you know it it just wasn't getting back into shape. And he has this like giant emotional scene where he's crying and his uncle's with him and he's got these giant glasses on, and uh, you know he's embracing him and 
and he's saying, I hate Midland, like bad things about Midland. But I don't think Woody was really affected by that. Um, but get this. Guess who his dad was? This guy named Charles Harrelson. And he was this organized crime guy who killed the first federal judge killed in the 20th century. So that's that's who his roots are. Like, that's where Woody's coming from. But on that same token, uh, here's what Woody had to say about his dad. He said, my father's one of the most articulate, well-read, charming people I've ever known. Still, I'm just now gauging whether he merits my loyalty or friendship. I look at him as someone who could be more of a friend than someone who was a father. But, uh, you know, we're not escaping there. Let's talk more about this guy's dad's life. He was a hitman. Um, which makes sense, because why would any able-bodied guy kill a judge? That's kind of stupid, and there doesn't seem to be that much of a reward. What are you going to do, get a ransom from the guy? He's a judge. He's not an astronaut. So in 68, this guy murders this guy named Sam DeGelia. And uh, guess how much he got paid for the murder? Two grand! He did all that for two grand! And that happened in McAllen, Texas, which is another area. And he got sentenced in 1973. So imagine that feeling. Like being in a cell in custody for five years and then getting sentenced. And then, you know, figuring out that, hey, like 15 years of my life are going to be spent deadlocked with some guy, some cellmate in a prison cell. That's insane, man. But hey, good things happen, and he got out in 1978 after only five years for good behavior, which is great. It's a great sign. But that wasn't good enough for him. You know, in 78, he gets paroled, and then he gets implicated in another murder, an additional murder. And this is like less than a year than he gets out of, of jail. In 79, he kills a judge. This is who we're talking about, John Wood Jr., in a parking lot outside his house. And this happened in San Antonio. San Antonio's big claim to fame now is their basketball team, the Spurs. A team which many people feel will trump the, uh, the, the Golden State Warriors in the, the Western Conference Finals this year. And like I said, he was a hitman, so someone paid him to kill someone else. In this case, someone else was that judge, the Wood guy. And the guy that paid him to kill the judge was Jamil Chagra. And this happened in El Paso. Now, El Paso's big claim to fame is that Texas Western basketball team, which was led by Don Haskins, and uh, there was a movie made about it called Glory Road, and that did pretty well. It made like $43 million on a $30 million budget. And the cast of that film was led by Josh Lucas, who carried the movie. And Derek Luke was also in that movie. The, the judge, that's a different story. The judge, uh, the wood guy, he had a nickname, Maximum John. Because he used to give these maximum drug sentences for these drug-related crimes, and people didn't really like that. So they labeled him with a name. And on this Chagra guy's trial date... This guy got gunned down by this Harrelson dude. But, uh, you know, someone snitched on Harrelson, on Charles, and he got apprehended. And one of the pieces of evidence that was used to uh, indict him in court was a recording uh, between the two Chagra brothers. And uh, that really was, was the key to apprehending the guy. But, uh, but Charles claimed that he didn't kill Wood. He claimed that he only took credit for it because um, this Chagar guy promised to give him a large payment in exchange for doing so, for essentially taking the name for his murder. Now, this is where it gets kind of kind of freaky. So this Charles guy, he gets two life sentences uh, for his, uh, you know, for that implication resulting from the conversation that he had with his, uh, with Chagra's brother in prison. But he's implicated with Chagra, right? They're both implicated in that assassination. But, um... Chagra gets acquitted because his brother refuses to testify against him for the murder. And the guy that represented Chagra, the public defender that did that, was Oscar Goodman, who's the mayor of Las Vegas. But a plea bargain happens, and Chagra claims that he, in fact, is the guy that shot Wood. Now, this happened in 2003. 
So during this time, when when uh, Woody hears that, he tries to get that conviction that uh, you know his father's conviction overturned to get a new trial, but it doesn't really. Um, nothing happens. Nothing becomes of it. And in 2008, you know, just five years later, this Chagar guy dies of cancer. But the story doesn't end there. In uh, in 80, Charles Harrelson he has this giant standoff, like a six-hour standoff with the cops. And um, during that standoff, when he's apprehended. He claims to have shot Wood, number one, and he also is claimed to have assassinated JFK. But a little while later, he gets interviewed, and he tells a reporter that, hey, I, I said that stuff because I just wanted to, quote, elongate my life. So uh, so what happens afterwards? Well, uh, Chagra's brother, he testifies, right, during Harrelson's trial, and he says that Harrelson has claimed to have shot Kennedy. Not only that, but he drew maps to show where he was hiding during the assassination. And then a while later, he says that he doesn't, you know, Chagar doesn't believe in Harrelson's claim. So who knows what's going on? The Associated Press reports then that the FBI basically discounted any involvement that uh, Harrelson had in, in JFK's death. But uh, there are some claims circulating that, that Harrelson was, in fact, one of the three tramps. Now, the three tramps were these, uh, these three guys. Shortly after the assassination of JFK, they were, um, they were seen crowded around each other in a very suspicious area. Right in a suspicious location, and uh, they were thought to have been uh, at least partly involved in the assassination of JFK. And uh, there have also been reports circulating that um, that Charles Harrelson was in fact connected to the military in some way, that he had some pull with the intelligence agencies. So 15 years later, 15 years after this happens, this guy Charles Harrelson tries to escape from the federal penitentiary. He makes this rope with some other guys, these two other guys, and. Um, you know, they hear a warning shot when they're escaping and they surrender. And then he gets transferred to Supermax. And uh, about 12 years later, he dies in the cell. He had a severe coronary artery disease. So um, that's really what got him. So that uh, reflection should give you an idea of what Woody Harrelson was was really living through. And uh, and so he gets cheers. He gets cheers around the same time that uh, the guy that played coach died. And uh, who did he play? He played a guy named Woody from Texas. Are you serious? Are you kidding me? Is that is that really what he went through and he's still getting roles on shows? But that's how he operates. That's, that's how he gets through some of this stuff. Why do most people consider acting a difficult job? It's not necessarily because the nature of the job is difficult. It's equivalent to having a plumber come in your house and fix pipes. An actor is a specialist. Now, in order for that specialist to operate correctly, uh, certain conditions, certain provisions have to be met. And these provisions are filled by production assistants, PAs. That's one of the perks of acting. Because it's one of the few professions in which you can say, hey, I want two sugars and a cream with my coffee. And the PA is mortified. The PA doesn't really know what to think about that. And so the PA goes home probably around, you know, 7 o'clock at night. And maybe he has to come back out at 1 a.m. for a, a late call time. You know, that's not enough time for the PA to sulk properly. I mean, it takes time for that stuff to resonate and, and sink in. And it begs that PA to ask the question, am I doing a good job on set? Am I getting Kate Winslet uh, her toast properly? You know, these are tough questions to answer on the spot. It takes a lot of uh, self-reflection to adequately answer these questions. All right. I don't know how we got there, but we're never going to get to Woody unless we kind of pass through this. Let's circumvent through this lining together. Okay, so Woody's on Cheers. And Cheers becomes hugely popular. You know, Woody's in a very special place with actors. Uh, he can walk into any bar that he wants and pretty much ensure that the bartender will cover all of his drinks for free. That's what starring on a show like Cheers does. And that's gotta inflate his ego just a little bit once in a while. 
Now, a lot of people may construe that as a bad thing, but I always think of it as a good thing. It's a positive. It's something that you can use as an asset. 